Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. Kids have been playing with the phone, so all my settings could be changed. I have no idea. <laughs> How's that? Does it look like a professional movie set? What embarrassing things do I have out behind me? My medications. Oh. <laughs> what medications? I just have my co-host, Jimmy the Walrus. Um, all right, guys. How's it going? Um, obviously, uh, the past uh, yesterday... So I had a talk planned, and that talk has changed. Um, due to the fact of the tragedy that happened in Texas yesterday. Um, so we'll get into that here. Honestly, I was honestly thinking about not, um, not doing a talk today. Um, but I think it's appropriate. Um, so yesterday, uh, my plan for the talk was going to be about, um, just a rough outline of it, but a rough, was kind of be like being overwhelmed by like everything that we see in the media, you know, constantly like AI and wars and guns and all this stuff. And, um, and just how we have ever, all our information just constantly headed at us. Um, but then yesterday, there was the shooting at the outlet mall in Texas. And um, so that changed my talk today. Um, so I'd like to talk a little bit about I don't know how long we can even do it, how, how much I can get through it, because it really was, uh, really hit me in a way that I wasn't expecting. Um, it's like this never-ending crisis, uh, this never-ending just horror that continues to happen. Um, and everybody has an answer, and the sad thing is, like, a lot of their answers are always, like, on towing party lines. And I've had such a hard time trusting answers that are based on like your political alliance. You know, it's like people saying what they're supposed to be saying. And um, it's frustrating. Talk is, the talk is frustrating, honestly. If we could be having really good arguments and really good conversations that were actually going to lead to change, you know, uh, that would be excellent. Um, so I'm going to read from Psalms real quick, Psalms 23, and it says, uh, this is the New Revised Standard Version, even though I walk through the darkness, the darkest valleys, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me 
in the presence of my enemies. And the reason I wanted to read this was because, you know, I was thinking about this family yesterday. I'm sure they're, I mean, I don't know if they're all family, but these different families yesterday that got the horrible call or that were affected by um, each other, you know, um, your loved one's dead, you know. They went to the mall and they're dead. Um, and how horrific those calls must be and, and how those calls are happening so often in the United States now. Your loved ones were at church and they're dead. Your kids are dead because they came to school today. Um, you know, uh, your family's dead because, you know, your loved one's dead because they went to a concert. Um, oh, your loved one's dead because they, they were at the grocery store. You know, I mean, it's just like things we just do every day and we're just dying and being killed by each other. And uh, it's horrific. And, you know, yesterday I still haven't talked to my kids and I'm sure they'll hear about it at school because that's where they hear about everything. But I try to usually talk to my kids about things like this. Um, but yesterday I was just too done. It was like, how do I explain to them this horrificness that's happening, you know? The, um, and I just wanted them to be able to enjoy their Saturday, you know? But like, it's, I don't want to scare them, but I'm scared, you know? Like, I gotta, we're going to a soccer game today, you know? And uh, it scares me, you know? We were swim lessons yesterday, you know, a public pool. And it's like, nowhere seems safe. Um, so I, I, I think as, uh, as reason, you know, so I feel like the valley of death, as I walk through the valley of death, yea, shall I walk through the valley of death, I shall not fear. You know, it, it's this idea that we're constantly, we're in danger now everywhere we go. And this isn't good news, and this isn't probably the way you're supposed to talk about it. I remember one time I was at this big social justice conference with all these leaders and was talking about LGBTQ rights. And this was before they were all really ready to accept that this was a social justice issue as well. Um, <laughs> and I said, you know, LGBT, I mean, they're dying, you know, they're, they're, they're committing suicide, they're homeless. And someone was like, you can't, you, know, you can't say they're all dying, that's manipulative, you can't do that, you can't say that. And I was like, so we're not allowed to speak the truth because it's manipulative and it's not professional, you know? And um, I thought, how convenient. That's a convenient way to, to, to deal with things. Um, and I'm gonna give you an idea of why all this kind of hit me so heavily uh, yesterday as well here in a minute. Um, I mean, honestly, what happened was is I was on Twitter yesterday and someone posted a picture of the victims all blanked out and I was reading some of the comments and then someone put the picture of the victims of yesterday's shooting uh, not blanked out, so people need to see this. And uh, six, seven dead folks, shorts, t-shirts going to the outlet mall. And what hit me really, really tough, and I'm being kind of quiet because my kids are in the next room playing, um, was this five-year-old little girl in a little pink shirt and her brain's on the, 
ground. You know, and I was really torn because part of me was like, well, this is really hard. And I don't know if this should be shown, but in some ways I'm like, is this the only thing that's going to wake people up? Is if they see our middle schoolers who've been shot and, and slain in bits and these little kids, you know, wake people up and stop towing some like damn line or worshiping some amendment that doesn't make any sense anymore. And then she's the same age as my daughter. Um... <clears throat> and, you know, and a little girly girl like my daughter. And I just think about all of us and not wanting you to get that call, not wanting to get that call. And the thing is, is, these shooters and these bullets and these folks, they don't give a damn about what your politics are, you know. And so no one's safe. They don't, you know, they just seem to, you know, every now and then it's targeted maybe at uh, African-Americans but usually it's just targeted really at anyone who's out in public, any kids or any adults or whoever has in the situation. So it's this, this is something that affects all of us equally. We are in the same boat now. And how does loving your neighbor work into this ideal? Um, I would, Creta, uh, Creta, uh, no, that's, Dr. King's wife, Bernice, Dr. King's daughter, was saying, you know, we're praying for everyone, but we also have to remember in James where it says, faith without works is dead. And, um, and it's true, you know? And so it's funny because how that plays with, I, you know, I walk through the valley of death, I shall not fear. But I think if people are really gonna follow Christ and, and follow this religion, Christianity, and really wanna be, true to its meaning is that we are the ones who should be trying to affect these, making sure our neighbors and our brothers and sisters are protected, you know? And what's always strange to me is that a lot of believers really love guns and they're also pro-life. And I think that's just ridiculous, to be honest with you, because it's just like, I don't know what you're thinking. <laughs> like, There's less abortions, there's more options of people to maybe break into your house that you can shoot. I, I don't know. I don't know what, what the thought is of that. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a major contradiction and one that could be looked at and, and, and changed. Or pro-death penalty and pro-life. I mean, that's just you're not pro-life. I mean, guns aren't, unless you're hunting, which is a different thing, but otherwise guns are made either to hunt or to kill people. But they are to kill things. So to be pro-life and, and, and be pro-gun other than hunting doesn't make sense to me. Um... I want to protect my house, you know, get an alarm system <laughs> in the future. It's about the same price. Um, so we're in this awful situation and, um, and I'm not trying to tow any line. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, this is my whole lifetime. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about this. We've been talking about police brutality. We've been talking about healthcare, you know, Nothing's changed. No politician has changed anything. So I'm not like, and that's why I'm voting for Joe. You know, it's like, nobody's changed anything. I mean, they've changed some things here and there. They've done some good things for the LGBT community on the left, but I mean, but they haven't really done a lot for the America as a whole. Um, you know, and they talk about mental health. And this is the ironic thing is like, the best mental health treatment I've ever had was seeing a psychoanalyst, seeing an analyst. It's the best I've ever done and everything. And I haven't been to my analyst in a couple months because I can't afford it. Now I have insurance, 
but my insurance doesn't pay for it, you know? Uh, my insurance will pay for me to go to a psychiatrist and see them for five minutes and get a bunch of pills, but they won't save me, let me charge, you know, they won't let me go sit with somebody for an hour and talk things out and figure out what's really going on and deal with those issues. You know, they might let me go to a talk therapist, but they won't let me go to a psychotherapist, which all that therapy comes from. Um, so they won't pay for it. You know, so when we talk about <laughs> Medicare for all and things like that, and then people are talking about health care, you know, we don't want health care. We want guns. It's like, you know, there's a reason like why a lot of these things would really make sense intertwined. Um, guns and, you know, look what we've done to cigarettes. You know, at times cigarettes were killing more people than wars. You know, now the number one killer in our country of young people are guns. And we've become legalistic to the Constitution, to an amendment that was meant for Civil War times over our, our children. And it's strange because if you grew up like I did in the evangelical church, you always people are like, you've got to put God, God, God before even your family or your children. You know, I remember one time seeing John Piper say that he would worship God even if he burned his kids in hell. And I was like, this guy's fucked in the head, you know. And, uh, and I think we've got to get to this point in our, our, our walk and our lives and our world where it's, it's people over politics, it's people over politicians. You know, we've been tricked and we've been given, you know, somehow we act like this is our favorite sports team and we have to stay with them. We've been tricked. And somehow Christianity's been tied to one of, one of them. <laughs> we've been tricked. It, it doesn't belong in either one of them. You know, people, well, I became a liberal because Jesus taught me. You know, it's like we always want to just Oh, no, my politics are all explained through my religion. Um, and why I'm saying all this is because I'm just saying, like, like, can we just be human? Can we be humans to each other for a moment? Um, people over religion is what I'd say. And honestly, I said, I believe if Jesus, I wrote this down in my notes, I believe if Jesus had a test for us in the Bible, the secret test, for us, I'm just being tested, brother, was if when you're called to love someone, if you're going to let religion get in the way of loving them. You know? And uh, I think that's a test because love should always trump your religion. And that's what a lot of people miss. Love never gives up, never loses faith, always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. God is love, you know, like that is the ultimate pure religion is love. And we miss that. And, uh, and, and now it's like one of our, our communicating with God has become one of the greatest insults you can say to victims at this point. Prayer, mm, we're praying about it. We're not gonna do anything about it. Mm. Talking to the man upstairs. You know, it's like, I've spent most of my life being a pastor and this is not how things get changed. And as we talk about here, about hard conversations and disagreeing well, is, uh, is we've gotta be able to do that. And we've gotta have the, we've gotta figure this out and leave nothing off the table, off the table. You know, like politically, like whoever making these laws, we've gotta call our politicians, we've gotta to talk to these, we've got to figure out ways to change this because humanity 
is not doing this. But nothing off the table, you know? Like, I want to hear my conservative brothers and sisters and my liberal brothers and sisters, and I want to hear ideas. I'm not against owning guns. I'm just, a, the way that it works now, it doesn't work. There's got to be better laws. There's got to be things that protect people, you know? Um, I was reading yesterday, uh, um, my son was at swim lessons. My daughter was, uh, what was she doing? She was uh, playing a coloring game on my phone. And, um, and Dr. King comes into a lot of this. And, and so I'm going to talk a little bit about Dr. King and, and then we'll move on. But, um, or we'll close the day, but Dr. King, I think, is always a great example of what we do in situations like this, as you know. He's, he's one of my heroes. He's, boom, right there. Um, this is a, a letter, uh, letter from a Birmingham jail. I have it in different books, but I found it in this little book on, on Amazon, and I really like to have it. And if it was up to me, <laughs> we would remove the book of Revelation, because there's so much bad theology that comes from there. And then we would just put it in there and then we would canonize the letter from a Birmingham jail. Um, <laughs> but Dr. King says in, the, in, in his letter, he goes, we are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. Never again can we afford to live with a narrow provincial outside agitator idea. Anyone who lives inside the United States can never be considered an outsider anywhere within its bounds. This is Dr. King. Now here the thing is, like we can never afford to live as a narrow, as an outside agitator. We always want to make the outsider, oh, mental health, oh, this, oh, that, outside, not one of us. It can't be, you know, oh, I'm a responsible person. And this is saying, it doesn't matter if you're a responsible person because this affects everyone. This hurts everyone. This hurts, you know, like, I'm glad. But why do you think laws are made? Laws are made because people abuse laws and hurt others, not because of the, you know, why drugs are against Well, I can take drugs and not be addicted. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the principle. They should all be illegal. You know, just like people are like, well, what about safe belts? You know, all this arguing about things, you know. Should we outlaw cars, you know? And it's like... No, but we have to have licenses to have these gigantic vehicles, you know, and we have to be trained and we have to read manuals and... Anyway, we've heard all the arguments. I'm not gonna... I'll just stop there. It's just realizing that we're... We've got to act like we're not just like, well, it doesn't affect me or I'm with this and I shouldn't. It does affect you. Like, what your decisions are affecting other people. We are... We are... We, we are... We are tied in a single garment of destiny. And we don't see it. You know? We think right and left, so somehow, well, those guys are bastards. And, we're, and what, we, what they do and what we do are affecting one another. Like, it's just calling them bastards is just making the work... Per, like, being angry, I understand, but continuing to be angry and continuing to scapegoat the other uh, keeps us from moving forward. So we've got to knock it out. You know, I stop acting like children, you know, and, and, and act like adults and people who have tough conversations and talk to our politicians. And when our politicians act like children, we need to say, you need to stop acting like children. You know, why are you working for the NRA when our children are dying? How is your, you know, your finances and your greed more, 
important than my children? Why is it that when the, you know, oh, the Democrats, they're saying, oh, our hands are tied, but why when you guys were in control didn't you do anything? You know, the president, oh, I have to depend on the, the Republicans, you know. You know, it's like, I, I don't buy it completely. I don't buy the scapegoating completely, okay? There's something going on, and I think everybody is, is, is in on it in some way or the other, or influence. Like, oh, it's like when you, when you see a politician who, who, who's sort of like pro-health care when they come into politics, oh, well, everybody's going to get health care and all this stuff, and they get in there, and then their donors start to be big pharma um, or, or, or the insurance companies start to donate to their thing. And they go, well, you know, I mean, I used to think, but maybe a single payer, you know, people should have the choice, so let's not quite do it. I'm like, Obamacare is good, but it's not great. Like I just told you, there's a lot of things I can't go to, a lot of doctors I can't see. You know, I need an eye surgery, and I was at the eye doctor, and the eye doctor's like, yeah, well, you need the surgery, we're going to do it. And then they're like, oh, but you're not covered here, so you're going to have to find another place that you're covered for this surgery because... I'm like, but you guys just gave me glasses and did my eye. Yeah, but well, for some reason we can't do surgery on you, so you have to go somewhere else and do this and that. And so this is the, the American way of uh, how we do things here. And it, 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 it's infuriating. So it's just, what I'm saying is, is you see people compromise over time with financial or how the system works and they get caught up in that system. And uh, we need to say, like, this, this isn't working anymore. This is a broken system. And um, I think both people on the right and left can agree on that, at least, is that the system is completely broken. Um, so I, I'm going to hit you with one more thing, and, and then we'll call it quits, because I'm not feeling really great about anything today. Um, Dr. King on Vietnam, for a little while, Dr. King was silent on, on, on Vietnam. But in 1967... Dr. King saw a picture in a magazine. Of, uh, he, was, he was, I think, on an airplane, I thought. Um, but I can't remember. I've heard the story told different ways. But um, Dr. King saw a picture of children uh, struck by napalm in Vietnam. And I think some of us have probably seen a similar picture with these little naked kids burning, running down the street. And Dr. King said the images were unforgettable. And that's when he said, uh, he said he could not remain silent about the issue, about Vietnam. The issue that was destroying the soul of our nation. And I'm going to go on uh, record here and just say that I believe that uh, right now, uh, guns are destroying the soul of our nation. And I don't. And I just mean that basically on watching children die and that we don't do anything and more people die and more adults die and more people. And then eventually we're all going to get a fucking phone call. Or we're going to have to call somebody. And I already have friends whose kids have been in the shootings. I have two friends who've been, kids who've been in different shootings in this country within the past year. Um, so it gets closer and closer. And for Dr. King, the reason that was a hard decision for him was because he had the ear of the president. So when he came out and spoke out against Vietnam, it wasn't like he was like, you know, he was losing influence for the civil rights movement by speaking out against Vietnam. But he did it. 
Dr. King said he was it was politically unwise, but morally wise to speak out against um, Vietnam. And sometimes we have to go with the politically unwise thought and idea and make the moral wise decision. And that's what I'm pleading for people to do is make the moral position. Now, I know I'm probably speaking like to the choir on this, but share it with your other friends, you know, share this with other people, have the talk and say, when are we gonna be politically unwise, but morally wise? When are we gonna have leaders who are willing to be politically unwise, but morally wise and speak truth? I mean, I, you know, I lost faith in, in pretty much all my politicians at this point. And Dr. King also said, I may have a role to play which may be unpopular. And ironically, when Dr. King was assassinated, he was his, when he was murdered, he was the most unpopular he'd ever been <laughs> because he was doing the poor people's campaign. He'd spoken against Vietnam and um, he, was, he was, wasn't very popular at the time uh, for what he was saying. And are we willing to do that? You know, are we willing to, to come out and and make the unpopular stances when it may, you know, and I know this isn't winning anything because I've always tried to like stick where I've, I've been able to speak to my, you know, create a, a space where I'm able to have my conservative brothers and my liberal brothers and sisters and on, you know, different, a diverse community of thinking, you know, and I know that this thinking is often attributed to this one side. <laughs> Um, but it's just, so when I'm saying this, it's not be politically wise for me to say, but it's morally wise. It might not be financially wise for revolution, but it's morally wise for revolution. It's, it's the same thing I, when, I, when I talked about my LGBTQ brothers and sisters and their equality years ago, I you know, wasn't wise as a leader of their church, you know? I mean, I had a nice, I'm 13 people online right now, <laughs> you know, that's the reality of where I'm at. You know, and I remember like when Columbine happened and sitting down with my community and we were talking about this, you know, and, and one of the kids, you know, we had people in their teens and, and early 20s at that time. And, uh, you know, and one of, one of our regulars, and a really great kid, you know, a few, a few months later was walking back to his dorm room and got shot three times. Uh, he survived, thank God. He, and he listens. He's probably going to listen to this. He listens to the podcast after, after this. Doesn't watch it live, but listens. And, um, and we're still talking about this shit. Um, it's just wild how, how, how easy, how good we are as, you know, as Christians are called to love each other and to love their enemies, not shoot their enemies, you know. That's the ironic thing, you know. And again, with the whole pro-life thing, it's like, you know, if you're pro-life, then you should probably be anti-gun, anti-war, anti-death penalty, pro-health care and welfare and housing for all. Like, if you really care about life, you know, not just existing. Um, and really love your enemies. What does that mean? people over country at this point. So I'm gonna just end with Dr. King's words again is, uh, we are destroying, the, you have to speak out 
he had to speak out against the Vietnam War because he realized that it was destroying the soul of our nation. And again, when he said uh, he was making a politically unwise but morally wise decision to speak out. And I think we've got to be there. So no matter where you're at, and if your friends can't handle it, that's okay. I've got friends who I know are pissed because I've said this stuff, you know? They're not even mad. They're mad at me. They're not responding. They're totally ignoring my Instagram right now. They're mad, you know? Uh, and, and they think, oh, phew. You're going woke, man. Whatever, bro, you know? And it's just, it's really not about that. It's about people. And so, call me what you will. You can call me right, left, center. Honestly, I don't give a damn anymore. I just don't want to see these people killed anymore. And, and seeing that little girl, the picture, the brains out of her head and her little pink outfit. I mean, I was up all night. I couldn't get the image out of my head. We got to stop this stuff. And we got to be human about it. And we got to have compassion. If, you know, I would really challenge you if your first thing to do is when this happens is defend guns. You need to ask yourself what, what, what's going on in your life that makes your rights more important than this little girl who's dead. And I'll never see six. Um, so this is just something to think about. This wasn't my planned talk, but I had to talk about it. And... I hope we all don't go numb in a few days. Remember when it had to be a few months and now it's a few days because somebody else will be killed in a few days and what just happened, seven people were killed by somebody in a car running them over. Um, we're killing each other. Something's not right. Um, maybe we've lost the soul of this country. Maybe the great American experiment has failed. Um... I think capitalism has failed us. So I guess that's kind of what we're built on. All right. Thank you, guys. I look forward to speaking to you next week. Love each other. Have these hard conversations. I hope we can make a change. It feels really hopeless at this point. But, you know, I am a pessimist, but I am, a, a, as Cornel West says, uh, I'm a prisoner of hope. I am a prisoner of hope. And uh, so I'm going to live there as much as I can and just be like, I'm such a feeler, though, man. This stuff just hits me so hard. I just, And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful that I'm not numbing it out and being like, you know, we can talk a little bit more about sensible gun control and fight with more people about it. Anyway. Thank you. Love you guys. Appreciate your support. You can go to revolutionchurch.com uh, and support us there if you like what we're doing. Or you can really help by sharing this content with other people and letting them know about Revolution and what we're doing. All right. Thank you, everybody. <sighs> I got to go be dad now.